I think we can call that church and go home, right? Yeah. You have your Bible, go to 1 Samuel. I realize that as you uh, go to 1 Samuel, most of you are thinking about Samuel and Saul and David and Goliath and Jonathan, which I think are all uh, wonderful uh, opportunities for us to think about. Um, but this morning as you um, go to 1 Samuel, and I want you to just think and be reminded about where, uh, what's taking place in the world around uh, Samuel, the judges, and uh, are in a time frame as you read the book of Samuel, the uh, the time frame of political, moral, and spiritual failure is evident. Uh, the judges are basically uh, living for personal gain. And uh, on that scene, you're going to have an individual against all odds is going to be asked by God to be a leader. And as I think about that, I just kind of have this you know, word picture. God, could it really get any worse? And now you want me to be, to be born and you want me to be a leader in this, in this society. And so God is going to call Samuel... Uh, to be a leader, to be a judge, to be an individual that honors the Lord in, in a difficult uh, situation. As you think about the book of Samuel, you're going to think about three names. Samuel, Saul, and David. Those are the three big characters as you go through this book. And also as you think about the book of First Samuel, you're going to think about to obey is better than to sacrifice. And so this morning as you uh, open the word of God, and most of you probably will be reminded of this verse... But I also recognize that there's something inside of all of us that none of us want to be told what to do. And so you come along the Word of God and you, you have opportunity to read it and study it and you're, you're looking at it and it's almost like there's times in your life you're thinking, well, you know, Lord, I really don't want you to tell me what to do. I don't really don't want to read my Bible because I don't like rules. I kind of like to live my life how I want to live my life. And so you've come now to a, to a place in Scripture where you're going to read through or look through the book of 1 Samuel, and you're going to come walking away from a theme verse saying, you know what, God, to obey is better than sacrifice. And it's an opportunity for you to say, okay, Lord, do you want to teach me something? You know, it's interesting as, as you think about uh, people telling you what to do, I really believe obedience is a choice. You can talk to somebody until they're blue in the face, but ultimately that individual is going to have to make a choice for themselves. Am I going to obey? Or am I going to live for myself? And so this morning as you've come to this, to this book, I just want to open up as I think about 1 Samuel. I want you to think about Hannah, Samuel's mother. And I want you to think about the, the burden of her soul of being a woman that had no child. See, Samuel had a mom, had a father that had two wives. And Samuel's other wife was, a, was really a thorn in the flesh to Hannah. And what I don't understand, you know, we don't do because we kind of go to church, you know, every week. But they're going to gather about three times uh, a year. And they're going to go off for sacrifices. And they're going to go away to worship. And every time they would go away to worship, Hannah had to come to that place and say, Okay, God, I'm here to worship you, but you haven't blessed me. God, you haven't given me a son. And so basically as I'm working my way up to this place, we're on the trek to get there, I've got to listen to this other woman talk to me, ridicule me, mock me, but God, I'm still coming to worship. There's something that I hadn't really thought about. As you look at the book of 1 Samuel, you get a chance to see that Hannah's going to come and worship. And life isn't fair. And life is actually really difficult. 
Because now that she's coming, she's going to go to church service, but, you know, Lord, you didn't give me a son. So how often do I need to go to church? God, how often do I really need to come and, and cry out to you and say, you're a loving God, you care for me, you want the best for me, but God, I don't have a child. And so God, not only do I not have a child, my husband's got this other woman, and she's got children, and she's mocking me, and she's ridiculing me, and she's making fun of me, and you really want me to come worship you, God? What's fascinating about the book of Hannah, or 1 Samuel is that Hannah's husband loved her. And he gave her extra um, offerings because he knew the burden of her heart, and he knew the struggle of her soul, and he wanted her to know that she was valued. She would give her more to offer than his, than his other one. You come to the book of 1 Samuel, you get a chance to see a person that is broken crying out to the Almighty God. You have your Bible, go to 1 Samuel chapter 1, pick it up in verse 10. In the bitterness of soul, Hannah wept, wept much and prayed to the Lord. And she made a vow saying, O Lord Almighty, If you look upon your servant and her misery and remember me and not not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and no razor will ever touch his head. It's interesting as you just read those three little words, O Lord Almighty, you get a chance to really get to see Hannah's heart. So, you know, we kind of just read over that, O Lord Almighty, Think about how broken she was. Thinking about the things that she could be saying to God. God, I'm here and you're not fair and I don't like you. She could have been saying all those things. God, how many more years am I going to have to come back to this place, offer a sacrifice, and listen to that woman talk the whole way home? How long am I going to have to do this, God? And I'm sure there had to be some of that in her soul. But when she came to worship, she said, hey, Almighty, I'm here and I know you. Hear my voice. It's almost like if you have your Bible, go to um, Psalm chapter uh, 46. Psalm 46. She comes to worship. Psalm 46 and verse 1. God is our refuge, and our strength, our ever-present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the sea, though the waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fail. God will help, not break of, uh, God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar, kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice and the earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us, the God of Jacob. He is our fortress. And you see Hannah's heart. She's on her knees before God, saying, Almighty, would you help me? The sovereign, all-powerful God, I've come to you this morning whatever the time it was of that day that she went to worship. I've come to you, Almighty. I come to you today asking for help. And God, if you help me, this is my vow. Very interesting is you read in this passage of scriptures, 
as she's there pouring out her heart to God, there's, the, there's a priest there, his name's Eli. And Eli walks over her and says, in verse 14, how long will you keep getting drunk? Get rid of your wine. Now, if, you, if you've ever had an opportunity and a church person offend you and ever given you an opportunity to leave church and say, God, I'm not interested anymore, here's a pretty good opportunity. The woman came to worship, and the priest walks up to her and says, hey, why are you drunk? Hannah said, or, and Hannah says, not so, Lord. I'm a woman who is deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I've been praying here for, or out of my great anguish and grief. Eli answered, go in peace, and may the God of Israel grant you what you've asked. She said, May your servant find favor in your eyes. And she went away and ate something, and her face was no longer downcast. You know what God did? God answered her prayer. Here's something that's really interesting. And I know know all of you have done this. God, if you do this, then I will do that, right? We won't go as strong as saying it's a vow, but we've all done it. So now you got this woman that's came, she's poured her heart out. She said, God, here's my vow to you, to the Almighty. I've come to you, you've seen my brokenness, but I've come to worship. God, here's my vow. What's the vow? That when that son is about three years of age, she would take that son back to the temple and she would leave him there. I'm sure there must have been times in her heart she says, you know, well, God, I... I really didn't mean that. I was really just thinking, God, if you give me a son, I'll raise him for you, and then I'll, I'll keep him, and I won't, I'll, I'll never let a razor touch his head, God. That's what I'll do. No, no. You made a vow to God, and your word was, if God, if you give me a son, I will give him back to you. She did that, didn't she? And now and I, you and I are reading a book called First Samuel. And we're going to get a chance to see a, God use Samuel But I wanted you to see in the beginning of this, his mother. And his mother's love for the God that we talk about and the God that we serve. And now you get a chance to see this little guy by the name of Samuel. And most of you probably remember the Sunday school story in 1 Samuel. If you take your Bible and and flip over to um, chapter 3. And most of you probably remember that... uh, Samuel hears a voice and he goes and talks to Eli and he does this three times. You know, Eli says to him, go back to sleep, go back to sleep, go back to sleep. And finally Eli says, wait a minute, maybe God's talking to this young man. So Samuel, you just sit there and say, God, you speak. Do any of you remember what God said to Samuel? First Samuel chapter 3 and verse 12. At the time I carry out, I will carry out against Eli everything I spoke against his family from the beginning to the end. For I told him that I would judge his family forever because of the sin he knew about his sons made themselves contemptible and he failed to restrain them. Therefore I swore to the house of Eli the guilt of Eli's house will never be atoned for by the sacrifice or by offering. Did anybody ever tell you that in Sunday school class? 
That's what God said to Samuel. Now Samuel, in verse 15, Samuel lay down until morning and and then opened the doors of the house of the Lord. He was afraid to tell Eli the vision, but Eli called him and said, Samuel, my son, Samuel answered, here am I. What is it he said to you? Eli asked, do not hide it from me. May God deal with you, but if ever so severely, if you hide from me anything he told you. So the first thing that Sam is going to have to do is he's heard the, the voice of God, and now he's going to have to go talk to Eli, and Eli, this is what God said to me. God said to me that he loves you, your life is going to be perfect, you're going to be happy, you're going to be really wealthy and wise, your boys are going to repent of their sins, and you're going to have to live happy ever after. Is that what he said? No. He's going to have to go sit down with his mentor and say, this is what's going to happen. It's amazing to me if, if I would have been Samuel and I would have been said, you know, God, could, could I have another voice? Because that's not real positive. And that's not really going to make Samuel like me if I really go sit down and talk to Samuel and say, hey, Samuel, I, I really, or not Samuel, Eli, if I, I really, really appreciate all you've done for me and I know you've been taking care of me and watching over me since my mom dropped me off. I've been about three years of age and I really appreciate that. And now I have to sit down and say to you, hey, by the way, what you're doing is wrong. Cost. Character. Eli. He was a judge. He was different. Samuel. Character. He was different. And so this morning, as you look at the book of 1 Samuel, thing that rings in the back of my mind is obedience is better than sacrifice. Two neat examples. Samuel, his mother. God, we're going to follow you. So his mom followed him. Week, year. How many years, how many trips, how many years did she have to go to that place that they called worship that hopefully is going to make them feel better? They're going to offer their sacrifices. She went faithfully year after year. Almighty, would you do something for me? I'm dependent on you. Now his son is born. Hey, you know what, God? Here's my son. Well, no, I'm going to give him to you, God. Now his his son named Samuel has got to stand in front of Eli and say, Eli, this is the consequences to the sin. What's fascinating is, as you watch the life of Samuel, and and, uh, you you can look at it this afternoon in in chapter 12, you can see that Samuel's life was full of character. But I want you to go to 1 Samuel chapter 8. God's going to transition Samuel into this leader. Very interesting to me as you watch the nation of Israel at this time in their lives. They're living for themselves. They're living in sin. And it's almost like the world has infiltrated these people that know about God, that have seen God do amazing things, brought them out of Egypt. And now this, this group is saying, you know what, God? We don't need you. We've appreciated you. We thank you for setting us captive, that we were captive. Now you set us free. But we really don't need you right now. And it's really fascinating as you watch this come all the way into them, you know, living in sin, messing around in, in, in the world. And now it's going to go to where, you know what, God, we don't want a judge anymore. We want a king. And Samuel's going to have to work through this process. And, he's, and, he, and they come to him saying, you know what, Samuel, your boys have grown up. They're not following the Lord. You see that in, in, in chapter 8, 1 through 3. 
And then in verse 6, you say, but they said to us, give us a king to lead us. This displeased Samuel. He prayed to the Lord, and the Lord told him, listen, to all what the people are saying to you, it's not you they've rejected, but they've rejected me as their king. You know what Samuel's going to do? He's going to try to get this nation of Israel to say no to a king. You know why? Because a king's not going to be beneficial to the nation of Israel. You thought it was bad now, and if you go on First, first Kings or First Samuel chapter eight, ten through eighteen, what is a king going to do? They're going to reign over you. They're going to take your sons and make them servants. They're going to they're going to take your daughters and make them performers and cooks and bakers. They're going to take your land. They're going to take your money, and they're going to fleece you. But the people refused to listen to him. He said, "No, we want a king." And Samuel has to step back and say, okay, God, if they want a king, then we'll give them a king. First king is named Saul. I think what you need to do when every time you hear the word Saul, you need to think about this word, rebellion. Because what you're going to watch with Saul is God's going to put a person next to him. His name's Samuel. And God's going to use Samuel to give Saul very clear instructions. Hey, this is what I want from you. This is what God wants from you. And you're going to watch Saul say, you know what, God? I'm not doing it that way. If you look at the first thing in in, uh, 1 Samuel chapter 12, take your Bible, go to there, 1 Samuel chapter 12. Saul's been anointed as king. Samuel comes alongside of him in verse, in verse 14 of chapter 12. If you fear the Lord and serve and obey him and do not rebel against his commands, and if you and the king who reigns over you follow the Lord your God, good. But if you do not obey the Lord and if you rebel against his commands, his hand will be against you as is against your fathers. Fear the Lord. Hey, Saul, God's anointed you as king. You need to fear the Lord. Saul, God has given you a position. You need to fear the Lord. And what I've learned is, as I think about the word fear, I don't think we should be afraid, and I want to show you some verses. Go to Joshua chapter 24. Joshua chapter 24. Joshua 24, verse 14. Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away gods, your forefathers worship, beyond the river and in Egypt, and serve the Lord. Fear the Lord. And serve him. Throw away gods your forefathers worship. Deuteronomy chapter 10. Deuteronomy 10 and verse 12. And now, O Israel, what does the Lord your God ask of you? But to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all of his ways, 
to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and to observe the Lord's commands and decrees that I'm giving you today for your own good. So now you've got Saul, who's been given some instructions. First Samuel chapter 12, fear the Lord. Walk in his ways. Saul, you're going to be challenged to be obedient to what God tells you to do. But also Samuel said to him, do not rebel. I've been thinking about rebellion, and I think this is one of the best ways to put it. Rebellion is refusal to obey the rules. Saul, hey, this is what's going to be asked of you. Here's some instruction. Here's what God wants from you. By the way, God put you here. He knew that. God put you here. God's asking you to do the job. Be a king. Fear the Lord. Obey Him. Walk in His ways. Follow Him. That's what He wants you to do. But he also knew there was going to be another choice, and that was be to disobey, rebellion. Deliberately say to God, God, I'm not doing it your way. And what did Saul do? Saul's going to give the opportunity to be obedient. Go to 1 Samuel chapter 13. Saul's off to battle. If you pick it up in 13, chapter 3, Jonathan attacked the Philistines. And now the Philistines are gathering an army. They've got 3,000 chariots, 6,000 charioteers. And there's so many soldiers that the sand on the sea you can't. It's like they're saying you can't count their soldiers. Now they're coming up against the Israelite army. Saul is there, verse 6 in chapter 13. When the men of Israel saw their situation, when they saw this army that's gathering around them was critical and that their army was hard-pressed, they hid in caves and thickets among the rocks and the pits and the cisterns. Some Hebrews even crossed the Jordan to the land of Gad and Gilead. Some ran away, some left. Saul, remaining there in Gilgal, and all the troops were with him, were quaking with fear. He waited for seven days for the time that was set for Samuel. See, Samuel was supposed to come. Saul was supposed to wait. There's going to be an offering. There's going to be a sacrifice. Samuel needs to be there. But Saul, in the middle of his circumstances, moved by what was going on around him. Look, they're coming. We need to make a decision. Hurry, act, react. Let's do something. In the middle of those emotions... Samuel said, okay, you know what, God? I'll just do the religious thing. I'll just do the sacrifice, God. It's not a big deal. I'll just do it. And then, God, because I did the sacrifice, you show up. And then you bless us, and you work it out. Is that how it works? No. Look what happens. Verse 10, just as he had finished making the offering, Samuel arrived and Saul went out to greet him. What have you done? asked Samuel. Saul replied, well, when I saw that the men were scattered and that you did not come and set the time at the set time and the Philistines were assembling, then I made a decision. Excuses. Saul knew what he was doing was wrong. And it would have been interesting how God would have responded if Saul said, you know what, I, you know what, God, I'm wrong. I've made a mistake. I made it, I just, I was, the circumstances got around me. I couldn't think through my circumstances. I should have trusted you, God, but I didn't. So I, I, I just need to say, Samuel, I'm sorry. Say, I, what I did was wrong. Here, I'm here to confess. When you show up, Samuel, I am wrong. He didn't do that, did he? 
See, when Samuel shows up, all Saul does is make excuses. He never falls on his face and repents and says, you know what? I am wrong. He doesn't do it. So the opportunity where he could have feared God and worshipped God and walked in his ways and been obedient to him, he didn't do it. He rebelled. He said, God, I don't need you. God, I'll just do this little sacrifice and then you come bless me. He does it again uh, in 1 Samuel chapter 15. Saul's going to get very clear instructions from Samuel. Hey, this is what you need to do in 1 Samuel chapter 15. Verse 3, now go and attack the Malachites and totally destroy everything that belongs to them. Do not spare them, put put to death men, women, children, infants, cattle, sheep, camels, donkeys. Kill everything. That's what you're supposed to do, Saul. This is what I'm asking of you. These are my instructions. What does Saul do? Chapter 15, verse 7, then Saul attacked the Malachites. All the way to how you can figure out how y'all want to pronounce those words, the east of Egypt. He took Agag, king of the Malachites, alive, and all the people he totally destroyed with the sword. But Saul and the army spared Agag, the best of the sheep, the cattle, the fatted calves, and lambs, everything that was good. These they were willing to destroy completely. The weak, everything that was despised and the weak, and to- they totally destroyed. Instructions, destroy it all. Actions, choices, obedience. Did, did Saul obey? No. And look how bad it gets. This is where I, this is where I come up with the word rebellion. Go over to 1 Samuel chapter 15. When Samuel reached Saul, Saul said, the Lord bless you. I have carried out all, I have carried out the Lord's instructions. Did he carry out the Lord's instructions? No, he defied them. He said, God, I'm not going to do it this way. Rebellion. Saul knew exactly what was respons- he was responsible for. God brought this man named Samuel, a man of character, the man that God had said, hey, that had been turned over to be a, to be a leader, to be, a, to be a, a positive example of character. God provided that person for Saul. And that person came alongside of Saul and said, hey, here's truth. These are the instructions, young man. This is what you should do. And Saul said, you know what, God? I'm doing it my way. And you know what happened? He died. Cost him. And after this first Samuel chapter 15, after these words, then Samuel looked Saul in the eye, and you can flip over to verse 22, But Samuel replied to Saul. Saul kept going with his excuses. But Samuel replied, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifice as much as he is in obeying the voice of the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice. Obedience. The choice to say, God, I will follow you to obey. God is going to take Saul off the throne God's going to give the nation of Israel a new king. And that new king is going to be by the name of David. What's fascinating to me is you think about David, and I know know, a lot of the stories, and this is where we get to the Goliath thing, and and that's really a neat 
um, um, Sunday school story, but I, what fascinates me about David is, is that his own father didn't even choose him. His own dad said, hey, Samuel shows up there, and if you look in verse uh, chapter 16 and verse 1, to, the, to Bethlehem, to Jesse, the house of Jesse, I've chosen one of your sons to be the king. But Samuel said, how can I go? Saul will go, you know, it's going to kill me. But the Lord said, hey, I want you to take this heifer and go. So he arrives to this house, and he goes into the house, and when he arrived, he saw this one, the son and thought, you know what, truly this is the one. But the Lord said to Samuel, do you not consider his appearance or his height, for I reject him. The Lord does not look at the things that man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. Then Jesse called all the sons, but he didn't call David. Ever thought about that? And bring the boys in, but not that one. That one's just the shepherd. We don't want that guy here. Bring everybody else. And I know it's, you know, as I told the first hours, you know, our kids will tease us at times, you know, well, you love this one more than you love that one. And, um, and so I, you know, he's here this hour, so he's, a little, he's getting a little bit bigger than what he used to be. And so I can't do as much as what I'd like to do when I want to do it, you know, because he's getting bigger. And so mom said to me the other morning, she says, I think you two need arm wrestling. I was like, nah, I'm good. I'm not, I don't want arm wrestling. She's like, no, I really think you two need arm wrestling. I was like, no, babe. My arm is still sore from arm wrestling. It's working out the other day. I was like, man, why is my arm hurting? Susan says, because you were arm wrestling your son. So um, anyway, they're get, they get bigger, and, they, and he likes to tease me. He says, well, you love this one more. You love Rachel more than you love me. And then he knows that gets me all fired up, and I get aggravated at him, and we go round and round, and then I try to explain, and then he's over there just smiling, smirking at me. I got you again, old guy. I got you again. But it's fascinating to me that, you know, even David's father didn't choose David. So really, as you look at this passage of Scripture, 1 Samuel, obedience is better than sacrifice. God demonstrated that with Samuel. God showed us what rebellion looked like. And then God's going to bring this next guy, and his name's David. And God's going to run this young man, David, through the construction zone. He's going to have to kill a lion and a bear. He's going to walk up to this place where all the army's there. You've got the trained soldiers, and, and the shepherd boy shows up. And this big old guy walks out and mocks the God. And, and so the big old guy's running his mouth, and the shepherd boy's sitting over there saying, What the world's going on? What's wrong with y'all? Y'all are trained soldiers? Why don't you do something about this guy? So God takes the one that nobody picked, not even his dad, and says, Hey, by the way, you give me five stones. I'll take care of that guy. I'll walk down there. I don't care how big he is, because my God is different. So he walks down there, and you know the Sunday school story. I love, I love kind of, the, I love those action movies, blood and guts. And so the big guy falls down and they whack his head off. It's awesome. You know, there's a war going on. God used a shepherd boy. His name was David, because God knew David's heart. God said, "Young man, come." And so in the midst of First Samuel, as I look at it as a family. I see these three names. And I ask you the question, which name best describes you? If you've grown up in a Christian home, Samuel, his mom poured it all on the line for him, was laughed at by the priest, 
And then his mom gave him over and said, hey, here's my boy. Maybe you're the rebellion person. You're just that person that if there's a rule, if there's a rule for one reason, and it's to break it. Just break the rule. And there'll be times in your life that people come alongside of you and they'll open up this book called the Word of God and say, hey, here, here's something for you. Ah, oh, well, you know, that's just the Bible. It's full of rules. Nobody's having any fun in the Bible. It's just, you know, it's just boring. Yeah, people get their heads cut off and people running around. It's awesome. No, no, it's boring. It's just rules. Or maybe you're the third person. Maybe you're David. And God's rocked your world. Like David's life, ran, hid, standing there playing his harp, and Saul's throwing spears at him. He's in a cave, and Saul walks in. He's got the opportunity to take this guy out. I'm just going to kill this guy. Just kill him. David doesn't do it. So you know, God, I can't do that. It's, it's Sunday morning, and opportunity for the Holy Spirit to work in your life, an opportunity for him to just that still small voice saying, hey, I think this is an area of Saul that's in your life rebellion. And he'll knock and he'll say things to you, but he's going to ask you to do one thing. He's just going to say, hey, okay, I'm going to open up that room to you. Sure. Yeah, I know you have the right. I know you can do what you want to do. I know that there's a tendency of all of us inside of us to say, you know what, God? I don't need you. I'm going to do it my way. I got that. I understand that. It's called sin nature. You're born with it, and it's not going to go away. And for the rest of your life, you're going to have to open up different doors, different doors, different doors, different doors that are called rebellion in your heart. Say, God, I need to open the door. Here it is. Would you do a work in my life? And you know what happens? Sometimes when you don't open the door, then he'll start squashing you. Say, let's send this life lesson over to you. Let's rock their world with this. Because what he wants is to construct in your heart like the heart like David had. Thank God. Yeah, I'm a sinner. But I want you to work in my life. I um, got this and I didn't read it first hour because we ran out of time. So I just wanted to share this with you. It's been a neat little book that's... And just so you know, I have a picture of both of you in this. Hey, Junior. There's both of you in this. Okay? It's not one or the other. It's both just wanted you to see that so you wouldn't think I love one better than the other. The prophet of obedience. You may not sit and constantly calculate the cost and the benefit ratios, but in reality, this is what you do. Do you want to pay the price of disobedience? And do you know what that name is? You don't want to obey because it's some form of pain that might be involved. It might be physical, mental, or, or the pain of inconvenience. Whatever the case, you weigh out your options. You live your life believing that within the limits, you can destroy authority without suffering negative consequences. Why do you violate the speed laws, jaywalk, or possibly lie and cheat? You believe that there's a minimal risk of getting caught or that the potential price is not that high. If you're smart enough to disobey temporary authority without paying the price, and, and, and you are, and you're not clever enough to avoid the eternal consequences, the price of disobedience is higher than the price of obedience. It's not in the area of the temporary, 
but in the eternity. An omniscient, omnipresent God will call you out on account in the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ. No one will go to heaven glad that they have sinned, but they will be glad they obeyed. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Good pray with me. Father, thank you for allowing us just to stop around your word and just look at truth. Thank you for the book of First Samuel. Thank you for the reminder that obedience is better than sacrifice. Father, you know our hearts and you know how hard it is for us to obey. But you still love us. You still want to be our Father. That fascinates me. So, Father, you know the Samuel sitting in here. You know the Saul's. And you know the David's. So, whatever one you are this morning, you don't have to stay in that position. Keep growing. And if you're honest, where all of us are sitting in this room this morning, there are areas in our life that we have rebellion. Just be honest. It's okay. We're a family. We all have a sin nature. That doesn't mean we have to follow it. So, Father, in our family, as you, as your Holy Spirit works in our heart, you mold us, you shape us. Father, that the older that we get, rebellion would be less of the characteristic of our life. And our lives would be more characteristic by David and Samuel. Men that were willing to count the cost to be obedient. Men that when we make mistakes, we fall on our face and ask for forgiveness, repent, say, you know what, God? I'm not making any excuses. I was wrong. I didn't follow your instruction. But Father, thank you for allowing us to meet with you. Thank you for your word this morning. If you're here and you'd like to pray with somebody, Pastor Andy's here, I'm here. What's next ministry? Out the back of the church, second door on the left. Father, we've heard your voice. Now, Holy Spirit, allow it to come out of our lives and life change. In the name I pray. Amen.